and a very good evening to you. Welcome to the Catholic View. I'm Sheila Pirsch. In today's edition of the Catholic View, we bring you two features. The first one, we focus on Lent with Father Paul Bukas, and then we get up close and personal with the newly appointed auxiliary bishop of Johannesburg. All of that coming up a little bit later on in the broadcast. We first take a quick look at some of the stories making headlines in Africa and beyond. So do stay tuned. Radio Veritas, 5.76 a.m. For a change. And in your headlines this Tuesday evening, awareness of sin, a key to mercy, says Pope Francis. Helping communities abandon practice of female genital mutilation. And throw poor health initiative expands across Africa. Good evening once again, I'm Sheila Pirish. Pope Francis was the principal celebrant at a mass offered for the worldwide Capuchin community on Tuesday morning in St. Peter Basilica. Chris Alcieri reports. The mass was offered in connection with the presence in Rome and at St. Peter's of the relics of two great Capuchin saints who were renowned in their earthly lives as priest confessors. St. Pius of Pietralcino, or St. Padre Pio, as he is popularly known, and St. Leopold of Mandich. I speak to you as a brother, said Pope Francis to the Capuchins present, and through you I would like to speak to all confessors, especially in the year of mercy. The confessional is for pardon, he said, And even if you cannot give absolution, let me say hypothetically, please do not beat up on the penitent. One who comes to the confessional comes seeking comfort, continued Pope Francis. He comes seeking pardon, peace in his soul. Let him find a father who embraces him and says God loves you and makes the penitent feel that God really does. Que trovi un padre. The Holy Father went on to express a desire to see confessors everywhere with broad minds and open hearts, who never tire of being vehicles of divine pardon, and who understand the suffering of penitents because they know themselves to be sinners and the first to be in need of God's saving mercy. E chi è il grande accusatore? Either you perform the office of Jesus who forgives, giving his whole life in prayer. So many hours there in the confessional seated as were those two, Saints Pius and Leopold there, said Pope Francis. Or you perform the office of the devil who condemns, who accuses. I do not know, he said. I can tell you nothing else. I'm Chris Oltieri. 
Pope Francis is the inaugural contributor to a Lenten pastoral effort of the prelature of the Pontifical Shrine of Our Lady of Pompeii. Keep Lent is an initiative of the Prelature's Youth Ministry Office, which reports several thousand subscribers already from throughout all of Italy and from around the world. The initiative begins on Ash Wednesday and is based on social media. It will provide a daily gospel reading and commentary from leading clergymen and lay catechists. Lydia O'Kane has more. In his 2016 Lenten message to all the faithful, Pope Francis said, The digital world is a public square, a meeting place where we can either encourage or demean one another, engage in a meaningful discussion or unfair attacks, and encouraged Catholics to lead the way in making good use of God's gifts in cooperation with the best of human ingenuity. In a broken, fragmented and polarised world, said Pope Francis, to communicate with mercy means to help create a healthy, free and fraternal closeness between the children of God and all our brothers and sisters in the one human family. I'm Lydia O'Kane. Religious, traditional and local leaders are coming together to encourage local communities to abandon the practice of female genital mutilation or FGM, also known as female circumcision or cutting. The procedure poses a serious threat to the health and lives of young girls. It's also recognized internationally as a fundamental violation of human rights. Jocelyn Sambira has more. In countries where FGM is practiced, however, attitudes are changing. A recent UNICEF publication states, In the Central African Republic, Iraq, Liberia, and Nigeria, prevalence has dropped by as much as half, the agency says. UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon spoke at a UN event on eliminating FGM by 2030. On this day, I call for help to communities where FGM is practiced because they are working for change. We see examples in this room and around the world. One Ethiopian woman who used to perform FGM said she will never ever think of subjecting another girl to the harms and suffering it causes. Now she campaigns with us. Accelerating Change is a program launched eight years ago by the United Nations Children's Fund, UNICEF, and the UN Population Fund, UNFPA. Its coordinator, Nafisatu Diop, says FGM is a deeply entrenched social norm. Parents feel obliged to have their daughters undergo the procedure in order to ensure proper marriage or uphold the family honor. However, she adds, a combination of community activism and legislation has helped ease the stigma. The change needs to come from within. So what we are creating is the space for the discussion and for the debates. And what we are creating is bringing the information and, and, and targeting uh, those who are the influential person, bringing the information also to young people who want the change. Meanwhile, Ina Moja, FGM survivor and singer from Bamako, Mali, believes a dialogue is necessary to end female genital mutilation. Confrontation is not the right way. You have to talk, you have to explain, you have to bring awareness to the harm that it does on women and the abuse that it is and the violence and, and what it can uh, do on the female body but also psychological. Though the practice has existed for over a thousand of years, the United Nations says evidence suggests that FGM can end in one generation. <laughs> 
And finally, innovative pro-poor healthcare delivery models, such as the impressive AstraZeneca's Healthy Heart Africa program, are gaining ground in Africa in tackling the plague of hypertension and the increasing burden of cardiovascular disease. AstraZeneca is a global innovation-driven biopharmaceutical business operating in over 100 countries and its innovative medicines are used by millions of patients worldwide. Africa has the highest prevalence of adults with hypertension at 46% and a quarter of all premature deaths in the continent are attributable to the condition. And this has been a brief look at some of the stories making headlines in Africa and beyond. You're still listening to The Catholic View. Thank you very much for being here with me. Coming up next, we bring our feature, which focuses on Lent. Ash Wednesday is upon us once again. Wednesday, the 10th of February, marks the beginning of Lent, a period of 40 days of penance, prayer, and fasting. During this time, Catholics and Christians strive to imitate Jesus Christ's actions and prepare for the celebration of Easter as we reflect on his life, death, and resurrection. Now, besides Roman Catholics, other Western Christian groups that observe Lent include Methodists, Presbyterians, Lutherans, and Anglicans. Now, earlier I spoke to Father Paul Bukers, the liturgy vicar for the Archdiocese of Johannesburg, about observing Lent during the Jubilee Year of Mercy. Well, I think it's a wonderful time to uh, link the Jubilee Year of Mercy with our Lenten season. Uh, because the Lenten season is a time of uh, of fasting, of repentance, and of um, finding a spiritual discipline in one's life. But one can also look at it and see the Lenten season as a a time for a second chance, where the mercy of God is being revealed to us in such a wonderful way, allowing us and granting us a chance to return to the Lord, to turn back to the Lord, and one can only do that once mercy has been offered unto you. So there's a beautiful link between the two, I would say. Yes, yes. It is indeed, this Lenten season is indeed a time for mercy. Yeah. And now let's talk about Ash Wednesday. What are my yes. obligations as a Catholic on Ash Wednesday? Ash Wednesday, firstly, it marks the beginning of the season of Lent. So all Catholics are strongly... Uh, encouraged or in, advised to participate in the Ash Wednesday celebration. Now, it's not Ash Wednesday is not a holy day of obligation, but it's a very important day on our liturgical calendar, and therefore Catholics are, as I say, strongly encouraged to uh, attend Mass on that day and to be open to receive Ash on, on, on Ash Wednesday, uh, because Ash Wednesday marks the 40 days, uh, marks the beginning of the 40 days before Easter, and which, as I said, it's a time for us to fast, to repent, and also to live in moderation. So uh, all Catholics are um, encouraged and advised to really make use of the special time. Yeah. 
And I like what you said right in the beginning, the combination of the Jubilee of Mercy and the Lenten season, a time of repentance, a time of forgiveness, and a time of doing good deeds as well. Now, lots of people have this mentality that during Lent, we're supposed to give up meat or we're supposed to give up alcohol. But coming back to the words you said, coming back to what Pope Francis has been saying, that we should be encouraged to go for confession more often, especially during this time of Lent, together with the Jubilee of Mercy. What would you say to our fellow Catholics that should be the way or maybe um, just as a guide, guidelines to leaders uh, during this time of Lent? I strongly believe that this is a beautiful time. It's a time if we allow for the Lord, where the Lord can really touch and change our lives. And what a powerful way and place than the confessional. To go to confession during this time. To really let the Lord show his mercy unto oneself in that beautiful sacrament. Because it's in a, in a, in a sacrament of confession where we can come and we can bring our brokenness before the Lord. And as we bring our brokenness before the Lord, we know that he can put those broken pieces back together again. And allow us to go out and to live life and to share life. So it is a time of mercy. It is a time of forgiveness. And the sacrament of confession has a very central role during this time. And I would advise all Catholics to really make use of it. And not just to go because they are told to go, but to go because they really want the Lord to touch their lives so that when they go out, they can experience the mercy of God and share the mercy of God with those around them. Because as people, we hurt one another. We disappoint one another. How do we deal with that? And I think from the sacrament of confession, we can really draw our strength to be uh, present unto each other and to live with the sense of reconciliation. So that's what I, I think, yeah. Yeah. And now, of course, uh, also during Lent, it's a, it's a time of, um, of sorrow. It's a time when we, we tend to have more solemn hymns. I'm, I'm turning now yes. into the hymns, the liturgy, yes. the liturgy um, during Lent. Talk to okay. us about the reason behind it. Why is it that we sing more solemn hymns? Why is it that we don't sing the Gloria during Lent? The Gloria is a joyous hymn. It, it's really a, a happy, celebratory, giving glory, giving praise to God, that hymn. So I, I, it's not a hymn that, that beautifully uh, brings out or describes the season that we're in. So therefore, we leave that, that hymn for outside of Lent. We leave it for our Easter celebration. And it sounds so wonderful when we have the Easter virtual and, and the glory has been intoned. You can hear that something is happening. You can hear that we are in a different season. However, for the Lenten season, because we are turning back to the Lord with all our hearts, because we become more deeply aware of our brokenness, and because we are seeking the merciful face of God, we come with a different uh, uh, emotion, a different feeling before the Lord, and we put aside certain songs like the Alleluia and the Gloria, we leave that out in order for, for the season to speak to us. Because you see, music also plays an important role. It brings out different emotions within people, you see. But we, what, we, what we should be aware of, whenever when I'm the choir master, or the choir conductor, or the choir, or the music minister in the parish, 
we should keep in mind that music plays an important role and with music we can really really bring out what we celebrate and really touch people's lives and lead them towards that way where the celebration of uh, the Holy Eucharist or the liturgy is taking us to and just thinking about it now that if you read the general instruction on the Roman Missal the general instruction on the Roman Missal uh, points out that uh, it speaks about musical instruments like your drums and your tambourines and your organs and organs and uh, musical organs and things like that that what happens is that it should be used in such a way in a moderate way that it is consistent with the season, with the character of the season, and in this particular case, the Lenten season. So it comes back to your question about the Gloria. Yeah. Of course, I was just going to ask you about the drums, the beating of the drums as well, that it should be actually moderate. It should be, everything should be very solemn. We should be more in touch with ourselves. We should be able to spend more time meditating rather than rejoicing, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. 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 The time for rejoicing will come. Jesus says that in, 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 in sacred scriptures, when his disciples is to look at the disciples of John, they are fasting, and, and, and why are we not? And he says, well, while the, bridegroom, while the bridegroom and the bride is there with you, there's no time for rejoicing and celebration, but that time will come. And in this case, with us, the time will come for the great rejoicing. Well, Father, thank you so much for sparing some of your time with us. I know as Lent approaches, everyone is, is busy, especially you, clergy, are very busy getting ready for this season of Lent. I think it's one of the busiest times in the year for you. Yes, it is, but it's also a beautiful time for all of us. It's yeah. a time for prayer, real deep prayer. And I hope that um, my brother priest, the religious, and, and all the lay people will use this time as a special time of retreat retreat for the church where we really just become still and allow God to be God in our lives and to speak to us and, and to draw us closer to God's self. Yeah. Amen. So thank you to you. And my thanks goes there once again to Father Paul Bukes, the liturgy vicar for the Archdiocese of Johannesburg, for speaking to us about Lent. And now finally on a happy note, up close and personal with Father Duncan Toke. As you've heard on Radio Veritas, Father Duncan has been appointed as the Auxiliary Bishop of Johannesburg. I spoke to Father Duncan earlier today about his childhood and his priesthood journey. Duncan, we know you were brought up in Daviton, the east of Johannesburg. Talk to us about that. What was your childhood like? What was it like living in Daviton? I think, uh, you know, Daviton, um, I think even now it's still a nice place to, to live. And that's where I was born and bred and grew up. And, you know, but after my uh, high school, after my primary I went to a boarding school, um, uh, which it was in Masikeng, uh, Botswana, 
Um, but, you know, I just went there for a year and then came back. You should remember that at that time, you know, it was that uh, those hey, days of apartheid where, you know, there were school riots, there were all sorts of things and, and so forth. Um, uh, so I had to come back from Mafiking and then I went to a Trashville where I was at Holy Trinity uh, High School. Uh, which also I was there for three years, I think. And then because, you know, that's when I started thinking about my my vocation. And then when I shared this with my vocations director at that time, I think it was Father Lionel Sham and uh, Father Litsia Mushwesho was uh, his assistant at that time. And we, you know, I started sharing this with them. And then uh, the bishop at the time, you know, Bishop uh, uh, Reginald Osmond, his rest, may so rest in peace, and uh, decided to take me to, to uh, you know, to the minor seminary uh, in, um, what was this place now, Lukawi. It was in the, uh, I think it is in Whitbank Diocese. Um, that's where I went. And then things also seemed to work well there. And then he decided to take me to uh, Maria's Val. That's where I did uh, my son of nine at uh, that time, which I think you call it grade 11 now. And then I did grade 12, but we did not finish grade 12 there because of the school riots as well, so it, it it was a struggle because some of us we came from Johannesburg, we were suspected because the school was banned, you know, and then we we who came from Joburg, we were sort of uh, uh, suspects that uh, started you know the violence and and whatever at the school, and I was even arrested for three for three days, three oh days, my. three nights. You know, it was quite an experience because at that time it was uh, during that time of Buputatswana, uh, you know, when you had those Bantu stands and so on. And um, I think we were rescued by the late Archbishop uh, uh, Butelezi also, may his soul rest in peace. Um, he rescued us, and so we were relieved, and then we had to go back home. And um, afterwards, we were called uh, back, but this time we came back with our, with our parents, and we had to sign uh, some papers to say that you know we will not cause problems in the in the in the in the in the. Um, uh, in at the school, you know, it was Maria Mariasdal High School. It was Mariasdal Boys High School and then Mariasdal Girls High School. So both were affected actually. And then eventually we ended up not even writing exams at all. I can't even remember what year now that. Uh, but uh, I ended up matriculating at uh, uh, St. Francis, you know, Rehag Park. Um, um, St. Anthony's, St. Anthony's in Rehag Park. That's where I uh, matriculated. And then, straight from there, then I, I think was it after a year, then I went to 
and St. Paul's in Hammanskrell. Um, that was uh, 1988. Yeah, 1988. That's when I started with uh, my seminary uh, studies. Interesting to see that you've always lived a very Catholic life. I mean, all the schools you've mentioned, uh, all Catholic schools, and also interesting to see when you discovered your vocation quite early in life, hey? Yes, I did. Um in actual fact, I'm from a Catholic family, very, very yeah. staunch and, uh, you know, strong uh, in, in their faith. And I thank my my parents for that because, you know, um, I think at an early age when I was an altar server there, that's when I started getting an interest in, in, in you know, in, in becoming a priest. Um, yeah. And okay. um, I think it was also during the time of Father... Godisang, um, Patrick Godisang, also, may he so rest in peace. And um, we, 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 you know, he's the one who also helped me in finding out about my vocation and so on. And then eventually, um, I think even the readings that I, I used at my ordination for um, uh, priesthood, you know, it was where Peter was asking. I went uh, Jesus was asking Peter uh, three times, do you love me? And, you know, to me, the whole vocation came as uh, Duncan's, okay, do you, do you love me? You know, I think in one way or the other, I, 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 I you know, I think I behave like Peter. You know, that's why I like uh, Peter the Apostle. Uh, he is human. No, beautiful, Father, very beautiful. But now talk to us about your time as a priest. What are, what have been your good experiences uh, during your religious life? What have been uh, some of your bad experiences? But let's start with the good news first. Talk to us about the good times as a priest. I love priesthood. I love priesthood. It's something that I've been wanting to be, you know, uh, from an early age and I remember I, you know, my first uh, assignment as a deacon, <clears throat> uh, it was in Portia, and I felt welcomed uh, there, and that was 1995, I worked there the whole year, and, you know, people made me feel at home, and it was, you know, I, 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 I was just accepted, and I liked, and then, you know, they also encouraged me, for me it was a beautiful year. And then eventually I, after my ordination on the 2nd of December, 1995, then I, I was transferred to uh, Yeovil Parish, where I, I worked for, you know, for three years, uh, until when there was a, a shortage of staffing in the seminary. And, you know, one... We, we we were not even qualified to be in the seminary, but uh, because of the shortage and uh, Bishop Osmond was generous about his priests, he offered about three priests to go and and work there. And I was one of those, and uh, I worked there for a year at St Peter's Hasfontein, and then after that um, I came back. Then I was appointed at uh, you know Phosphorus uh, from 2000 until 2009, so it was about a year, uh, two, about nine years in, in Phosphorus. Uh, Phosphorus, there were ups and downs, there were times that were, uh, 
were not good at all and um uh, but you know they made me strong they made me strong i also thank god for what i went through and um you know i suppose every priest do go uh, through those things um you know there's ups and downs in Indian priesthood and of course, that's what makes you stronger. I mean, if imagine if everything in your life was just positive all the way, you'd never have any challenge, any challenge to do better, to be a better priest, hey? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right. No, it's good and to know. It's good to know the other side of Father Duncan. And okay. I, I believe you love jazz. I was listening to your chat with Father Emil earlier today, and you yeah, said to him, jazz, jazz, jazz is, is your my, favorite is my music. Love. Every Sunday after Mass. You know, when I'm not going home or, you know, I'm just, even when I'm at home or I'm in the car, mm. I, especially on a Sunday, I do listen to to Radio Veritas. I'm coming to uh, jazz music. <laughs> no, it's I mean, okay it's to listen just, to Radio Veritas. It's okay. You can say it. <laughs> no, no, I do. I do. I do. Most of the, I mean, almost every day in the morning, especially when I'm preparing myself. Yeah. You know, just before Mass and then when I'm doing my prayers and so on. I do, I do listen, and I think most of the time I also listen to Radio Veritas when I'm, most of the time when I'm in the car. Lovely, lovely. So tell me, Father Duncan, before I let you go, what -hmm. are you looking forward to with the new appointment? What excites you about it? You know what, I'm, 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 to be honest with you, I am still shaking, I'm still trying to, you know, to, uh, to find myself. I mean, this news came as a shock and yeah. uh, it was a surprise. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I have not planned anything or whatever. I've not even I've not even started thinking of anything. Okay, you're still floating. You're still floating. Yes, you haven't yet word. settled. Okay. Yes, yes. All yes. right. All right. Yeah. Well, Father, it was great getting to know the lighter side of you. Thank you so much for giving us that time. And okay. uh, before I let you go, Lent is starting tomorrow. What's your message to our listeners? Yeah, I just want to wish uh, our listeners a uh, um, uh, happy, good Lent and prayerful and you know, and as the Holy Father has asked to, as we celebrate the year of mercy, and perhaps this is a good time to do uh, uh, corporal mercy, I mean works of corporal mercy, you know, and I think probably it's just to, to be good to others and to pray fast and, you know, come closer to God. Lent for me, you know, it becomes a personal retreat, so to say. That's where you actually... You become in touch with your God. And I would encourage them to read those readings uh, during Lent. Almost every day the readings during Lent are so, so beautiful. Well, we look forward to the ordination and once again, congratulations. Thank you very much, uh, Sheila. my thanks goes there once again to the newly appointed auxiliary bishop of Johannesburg for talking to us about his childhood and his priesthood journey. Please note that Catholic View will not be back again tomorrow as we begin Lent. During the season of Lent, Radio Veritas will be bringing you Stations of the Cross at this time. So I'll be back again right after Lent. We will be together again in Easter. Until then, I'd like to wish you and your loved ones a good Lent and thank you once again for listening to the Catholic View. Remember, we will be back in the first week of Easter. 
Should you wish to communicate with me, feel free to send me an email, shayla at radioveritas.co.za. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Shayla Birch. God bless you and ciao, ciao.